Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message from Real Life Community, where we talk about connecting with God and others, growing in Christ-likeness, and sharing God's life with the world. My name is Sarah Comer, and I serve each week as Connections Pastor, making sure that you know that there is a God and a community that loves you and wants to go through the seasons of life with you. The easiest way to connect with us from right where you are is by downloading our free Real Life Community app from your app store. You can also find us at reallifecommunity.org, and we would love to meet you on Facebook or Instagram. Until then, we hope this message meets you right where you are and helps you know just how deep the Father's love is for you. Today we're going to be exploring Luke chapter 5, verses um, 1 through 11, and it's the story of Jesus calling his first disciples. So all the things that we've been talking about Jesus up to this point about his life, he hasn't called anybody yet. There's nobody following him yet, but today is the day, all right? And and, uh, it reminded me of this little statue that we're going to have uh, sitting up here on the table. This is a statue that Trevecca Nazarene University gives all of the people who get ordained on the region down here. So if you get ordained down on Trevecca's region, they give you the statue. Anybody know what it is? Any guesses? Can you see it? Peter, Peter, yeah, getting out of the boat. You've got Jesus here. And uh, here's Peter doing what he's done every day of his life since he was a little boy, probably fishing and uh, dealing with his boat there. And he's got his hand on his nets. And yet there's this one spot right here that just grabs me. Uh, Jesus puts his hand on Peter's shoulder. And the, the hand there on Peter's shoulder takes all of Peter's attention uh, and, and all of the things that he'd given his life over to in that moment, his, his whole life begins to turn uh, in a whole different direction and opens up to this brand new adventure. And so I'm just going to put this up here because that's the moment right there. That's the moment. Um, but... Uh, I want to ask a question for you. You can be considering as we walk through this. This is the story of Jesus calling Peter, Simon Peter, to come and follow him, to give his life over to him. And the question that I want to ask of you today is, who do you follow? In your life, who have you learned to do life from? Uh, And so, like, a lot of us, most of us probably, have this, like, concoction. We've got this big pot and lots of things go into it that makes up our personality, our character, our attitudes, our habits, our patterns, our behaviors. And and we learn how to do life uh, from lots of different sources, probably. Maybe you had some teachers growing up who taught you some things about how to see the world. Uh, Hopefully you've read some scripture stories or had a great pastor at some point who's talked to you about uh, about God, about Jesus. Uh, Maybe it was a coach for you or a mom or a dad or a grandma or uh, maybe you learned some things just from like your, the culture that you grew up in or the community that you grew up in, just kind of the way everybody saw the world and went through life. We, we pick up how to do life through learning from others how to do it and, and through following other people's examples, mentors uh, throughout the way. So in Luke chapter 5, where we'll be today, we find Jesus surrounded by all sorts of crowds who had been shaped in the same ways on how to do life as we have been. 
Uh, They had all these mixtures of the same kinds of things that had gone into helping them to become who they were. And Jesus, we've already seen a couple of instances where he's he's gone in and into a synagogue and he's preached a sermon and and people are amazed at the authority uh, that's, that's coming out of his teaching. And word begins to spread about him throughout Judea and throughout the area of Galilee. And, and he's going from town to town preaching about the kingdom of God. And everywhere he goes, there's a, this authority that follows with him. It's like he preaches in a way that people haven't heard before. And it's not just like really well-crafted sermons. There's something behind his words. There's an authority that holds them up where people listen to him and they're like, that guy knows what he's talking about, you know? And then he backs that stuff up with these incredible miracles where people who are sick are getting healed. People who are possessed by evil spirits, they're, they're being driven out. Even the demons that are being driven out are like bowing at Jesus' feet, you know, and, and running for cover uh, when Jesus comes around. And so Luke is telling us that the, the legend of Jesus is, is already spreading around Galilee. In fact, Jesus finds himself, just a, a story or two before the one that we're going to visit in chapter 5, at Peter's mother-in-law's house. And when you see the story here in chapter 5, you, you see Peter called Simon most of the time. Sometimes he's called Peter. So if I bounce back and forth uh, between those two names, Simon and Peter, forgive me, these are the same person. Uh, later on in the Gospels, he's referred to as Peter more often. But here, um, it's mostly Simon. But Jesus shows up at Simon's mother-in-law's house and heals his mother-in-law. Um, and and she's, she was sick with fever and, and she's healed. So... By the time we get to chapter 5, this one time Jesus is speaking and there are these crowds that are pressing in around him from all over uh, the place. And, and Jesus finds it just inconvenient with all these people in his face to be able to talk to all of the crowd there. And so he glances over and he sees these couple of boats that look like they have been worn out. Uh, they're still wet. They've been out all night. The nets are empty though. And, and Jesus sees these two boats and he steps into one of them. And one of these boats happens to be Simon's boat. So Jesus steps into the boat. He goes over, sees Simon. They've probably met before because Simon's mother-in-law has been healed. And Jesus says to Simon, hey, this is your boat, right? Can we put out into the lake? He's at the lake of Gennesaret. And and so uh, Simon jumps in the boat with him. They push off a little ways off. So now Jesus has got some space and his voice can carry. And he, he teaches them all sorts of things about the kingdom of God. He gets to the end of this message. We're not told exactly what he says in this message, but he gets to the end of this message and he turns to Simon there in the boat and he said, now I'd like for you to put out into the deep and cast your nets. Now, every once in a while when I'm reading a story in scripture, one of the things I like to do is I like to imagine the inner dialogue that's going on in people's minds. What are they thinking when Jesus says some of the things that he says? Because Jesus like really throws it out there sometimes, you know, and, and I'm always curious to think, I wonder how people responded to this. And this is one of those in this case where I like to think about how Simon would have responded. Here's Simon. He is a professional fisherman. He's been doing this his whole life. His dad has done this his whole life. All his brothers are in the business. His grandpa probably taught his dad. Ever since Simon could talk, people have been teaching him how to tie knots, how to pull in nets, where to go on the lake, where the fish are, what time of day to fish, all of these. Simon could write the book on fishing. He knows better than anybody else how to fish. And now you've got Jesus here who is a carpenter. 
right? Uh, so think about this as from Simon's perspective. Jesus grew up a carpenter in a small, poor town. His daddy was a carpenter. His daddy before him was a carpenter. Jesus knows how to build a table and chairs really well, right? Uh, and yet, now, n- not only is he not a carpenter, like not a fisherman, he's not a carpenter now. He's a, he's a preacher now. He's this preacher. So he's this carpenter turned preacher telling a fisherman how to fish. Think about this for a minute. As if I'm Simon, I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, Jesus, mind your own business. You know, get in your lane, Jesus. This is my lane. I know how to fish. I've been out here all night and, and I know exactly how to do it. You just stay in your lane. By the way, isn't this so like a preacher to get in your lane? You know, like, and you know better. I know you know better. You're all experts in your fields. You know what to do. And every once in a while, a preacher will get up and be like, but if you did it this way, you know, and you're like, come on, you know, uh, this is just kind of like how we roll. This is, uh, this is how we do it. And, and so Jesus, standing in this fisherman's boat, carpenter, preacher, turned healer, turned whatever. Now he's telling Simon, put out into the deep. And so Simon responds to Jesus. This is what he actually says. Uh, Listen, master, um, I've been fishing all night. We've toiled all night and we haven't caught anything. But since you say so, I'll go. Since you say so, I'll push out into the deep. And you can kind of, if there, I, I wish there were parentheses in the Bible, you know, like what Peter was say, was meaning by what he said. Since you say so, I'll put out. So it's almost like Simon's like, listen, I've been doing this all night. I know what I'm doing. There's no fish in this lake right now. They're all sleeping at the bottom or something. But since you say so, in other words, when we go out there and don't catch anything, it's on you, right? I'm not responsible for this, but I'm going to follow you. you you got to figure, because Simon has seen in the context of things, he's seen Jesus do some incredible things. And he just healed his mother-in-law, so he owes him, right? He owes him at least this much. And so he puts out. And then this incredible thing happens. He puts these nets down in the water, out in the deep. And it's like every fish in the ocean in the ocean, in the lake. They're in the lake. Every fish in the lake starts swimming into his net. You guys familiar, uh, those of you who have seen Sister Act, have you also seen Sesame Street where Ernie's in the boat, you know, and he's going here, fishy, 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 and they're just like jumping into the boat. I can't read this story without thinking of that scene, you know, and and so Peter throws, this, uh, throws the nets into, all the fish come swimming into his nets. There's more fish than he can drag into his boat, and so he calls his, his friends James and John come over, and, and, uh, and they take their boat out into the deep he's like you got to help me with this so they're pulling these nets and the nets are so full they're tearing they're tearing now fishing nets are not weak nets you know there's so many fish in here they're tearing they're pulling them into the boat and there were so many fish into both of these boats that the boats actually begin to sink so you can see them getting the oars out come on get back to shore these these boats are sinking they they shore them up they get them on the beach and then peter does something that i just think is incredible He loses it before Jesus right there. He's getting out of the boat. His hands on the net, fish flopping all over the place. I mean, they're they're knee deep in fish right now and water. and, And he steps out and he falls down at Jesus' feet. Falls down at Jesus' feet. And here's what he says. Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Get away from me. I'm not worthy to be in your presence. This reminds me a lot, by the way, of Isaiah's scene, right? Oh, 
I'm an unclean man, unclean lips. I'm from a people of unclean lips. I don't belong in the presence of a holy God. Peter does the same thing here. Simon Peter does the same thing. He falls down and, and I've been asking this question uh, lately. Uh, well, first off, he falls down and we're told, Luke tells us why he falls down uh, right there. We're told that Simon Peter says this because he and all who were with him were astonished at the miraculous catch of fish, right? So that's why he falls down at him. But, but even then, you got to be with me here. It's an odd thing for him to say in this moment, isn't it? It's an odd thing after even having seen this miraculous catch of fish, it doesn't seem to naturally follow that the next thing you do is fall down at Jesus' feet and talk about how sinful you are, right? Like, for example, I grew up uh, playing baseball. Since I could hold a baseball, I was playing baseball. And I was pretty good, by the way. Uh, now, it's relative because I grew up in a town of 2,000 people uh, in general. So, like, like, there were only five people who played baseball, but I made the all-star team every year, uh, right? So, but I knew how to play baseball. I was, I was pretty good at it. And, and I grew up, and every once in a while, even as good as I was, I would fall into a slump. And I'd have trouble hitting the ball. And, and there was even this time, it was one time I remember, uh, we were in like spring training in Indiana. It's still cold in February and March. And so we would practice in the gym. And they'd set up the, the batting cage up in the mezzanine weight uh, lifting area that was above where the gym was. And the wrestling team would practice down on their mats down here because it was wrestling season. And the baseball team would go up and the coach would feed the rubber balls into the pitching machine and we'd swing. And there was one day in particular, I was just swinging and missing. I mean, whiffing like I'd never played before in my life. I could not hit the ball at all. And I knew what I was doing, you know? So I'm changing, I'm doing different kinds of things. I'm toiling away uh, in, in that afternoon practicing. Now, imagine... If I'm up there having played baseball my whole life, my dad was a coach, all-star team. We went to state one year, like all the, like we knew what we were doing. Imagine if one of these wrestlers who had never played before comes up in there in his onesie tights, you know, <laughs> pulling him up, you know, and stepped into the batting nets and said, you know, Eric, if you opened your stance just a little bit, uh, and stepped into it. I think, I, think, I think you're pulling off a little bit, so maybe if you opened your stance and stepped into it, you'd be all right. Now, my initial reaction in that moment would be, go back down to your wrestling thing. You don't know what you're talking about. I know what I'm talking about. I'm a baseball player. You're a wrestler. Don't. But let's say I humored this wrestler, and I said, okay, I'm going to try it. And I, I opened up my stance a little bit and stepped into the next one and just crushed it, right? And then we said, okay, let's try that again. That was probably a fluke. And we went at, again and again and again, and I didn't miss any like for the next 20 or 30 pitches at that point I might say that was incredible how did that he must have watched a baseball video or something uh and and that but that was amazing thank you very much that would be your natural response when somebody from outside their wheelhouse comes into somebody else's wheelhouse and tells them how to do things I would not have fallen down at the wrestler's feet and said, away from me, I am a sinner. You know, like that's not the natural kind of uh, response there. But that's what Simon Peter does here. Not only away from me, I'm a sinner. Away from me, Lord. Away from me, Lord. And so I've been asking, where does this reaction come from? Why... Is Peter compelled at this miraculous catch of fish to fall down and confess that Jesus is his Lord, Master, and to ask him to depart because he's a sinner? 
And I I think you have to see it as a part of the larger story and context here. Jesus has already shown himself around the region to carry this authority and this power and, and to speak God's word and to heal and to drive away evil spirits. He's already done this in, in Simon Peter's own family. And now, uh, even he's a great carpenter, great preacher, incredible healer, and now he knows how to fish too, you know? It's like, what else can this guy do that I haven't seen yet? And I've been reflecting on this, that that Simon here has got to just be blown away. Like everything he sees Jesus do, it's like Jesus knows how to do it better than the people who are already the experts in these areas. Are you with me here? And, And so Peter, in this moment, it's like maybe he recognizes early on that Jesus Man, I've wrestled with how to say this. I, I wish I could find with some like really super eloquent sentence here to, to give you with what I think Peter came to the real, realization of at this moment, but, but I can't, so here it is. Um, it's like Peter comes to the realization that Jesus is just better. <laughs> super profound, right? <laughs> but he is. At everything. That Jesus is more full of knowledge, more full of wisdom, more full of power, more full of expertise, more full of love and grace and good truth. That, that everywhere you look, it doesn't matter what scenario, what circumstance, what area of life, if Jesus goes into that place, he's going to have something better to say about it than what's actually going on right there. And I think at this point, Peter recognizes that there is a gap between how he's been living his life and how Jesus is inviting him to live his life. It's like Peter recognizes that all of us, and this is me and you included, like we function along life in this certain, like, like we, we're humming along at this level, you know? And every once in a while, one of us is really good at baseball and we bump up a little bit in an area or something, you know, or, or we're really good at some area and maybe we bump up, but, but overall, we're genuinely just flying right along here. And then Jesus shows up and Jesus like flies in from heaven and takes on flesh and Jesus genuinely lives a human life, but he lives it up here. Like everywhere he goes and everything he does, it's more full of life. It's more full of truth. That way is humming along at like 40,000 feet. And Peter recognizes every way that I've been living in my life, no matter what area it is, even in the boat, it falls a hundred miles short of where Jesus wants to take me. Are you with me here? Fall down, Jesus. I'm not worthy. I'm falling short in my life. Jesus has this gracious response in response. He says, Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, he puts his hand on his shoulder here. From now on, you'll catch people with me. Let me teach you how to catch people. In other gospels, the phrasing is a little different. Come follow me. Come follow me. And I will show you how to be a fisher of men. You know? uh, the wording here is really uh, interesting. If you go back in the original languages, you recognize that Peter has been catching fish like by putting a hook in their mouth or having them swim into a net and then taking them to the kitchen to eat them or sell them at the market or something. But Jesus uses a different word for catch here, which means rescue. 
And it still gets translated catch in our language, but in his language, it meant rescue. Come with me and I will teach you how to rescue people and bring them to life in the kingdom of God. Wow, that's, that's a journey, Peter, that you want to be on, right? He puts that hand on his shoulder. Come on, learn how to do life from me now. I asked you that question, where have you learned to do life? What kinds of things have gone into that pot that makes you who you are? Who have you followed? Who's been your mentor? What I want to propose to you today is whatever has gone into that, other than Jesus, Jesus is better. <laughs> Jesus' way is better. And, and Simon Peter recognized this in this moment, and so did James and John, by the way. They're in their boat over here, like, toweling themselves off, and they're watching this whole scene, and, and they're like, Jesus is like, come, I'll teach you uh, how to fish for people. Come follow me. And they're like, we're in. Uh, and, and Simon says the same thing. So they get the boats to shore, they get everything done, and they, it says, left everything and followed him. Friends, heart to heart here. This is not a complicated message, but it is so foundational. At the heart of what it means to be a Christian is to be a follower of Jesus. And when you're a follower of Jesus, and this is, you know, beliefs are important, creeds are important, we do all those kind of because they make a difference in who we are, but like the, the boots on the ground kind of following Jesus and learning how to have our lives modeled after his way, that's what being a Christian is all about. And if we're going to follow Jesus, if we're going to be Jesus followers, then early on, like at the very beginning, at some point we have to do business with this thing of uh, when I come into a place in my life where I think I'm the expert, which for us, like we're all our experts in our own life, right? We've got the most experience in our lives. We know what's going on there. But when our life comes and Jesus says something that causes us to need to change, then a follower of Jesus says his way is better every time. And so it's choosing to lay down my way, to let go of my way, because we believe that his way, even if it's super counterintuitive, like loving our enemies or something like that, or praying for people who persecute us, that it's the better way, even if it doesn't make any sense. I was at breakfast this week talking with a friend of mine, and I was, by the way, if you're uh, ever with me on like my sermon writing days, uh, you're going to get like an earful of the sermon. Uh, And that that happened at this breakfast. I was, happened to be a sermon writing day and he was there and so I was like sorry you got to listen to this this is what I'm working on this weekend and I talked to him about this and I said it's it's so simple but what I want to say is just Jesus is better and he was like man that's my testimony and I was like okay tell me about it and he went on to tell me his story my friend had grown up in the church and his parents were Christians and uh, he'd grown up thinking of himself as a Christian uh, and yet over the course of his life little by little He'd had these areas of his life where he'd said, you know, I think I know better here. Or I think this would bring more life to me here. And so that happened over the course of his life in areas with, you know, his finances or with how he related to women or, um, 
you know, looked at women or uh, how he stoked his ego from time to time or put his selfish desires in the center of his life or took out revenge on an enemy or carried a grudge or whatever it is. You know, you could fill in the blank, but he was telling me all these stories. There was one story he talked about uh, after he'd gotten married where his wife and him had talked about how are we going to do our finances? And and she said, you can do all the finances, but the one thing that I ask you to do is to give the tithe every week in church. And so he'd just gotten used to just owning all of that and just holding all of it. And so he told her, okay. And every week he would come with an empty filled out tithe envelope with his name and phone number and address on it. And it was empty and sealed and he put it in the offering plate every week because she was watching. Um, and he did this in several different areas. He said, man, I got into, like, by the time I was about to graduate college, I'm going through all this stuff in life, and I'm, I'm starting to recognize life had gotten really unmanageable. I was addicted to a couple of things. I was uh, really, the, the choices that I had made that I thought were best had led me down a road where life unraveled. These are his his words. It was like every choice that I chose on my own in my own wisdom led towards less life, led towards death. And and this, this is his testimony. And so he said, at some point in college, I got to this place where I thought, you know, people have been telling me my whole life or growing up in the church, Christian parents and all these things, they've been telling me to do it Jesus way. And I've kind of been stiff arming that in a few ways and like only doing it where I think it makes sense, like in a spiritual way or something like that, but not like practically in the areas of all the areas of my life. But I thought, you know, I'm going to try it Jesus way. And he started. And just real practically in all these ways that didn't feel natural at all and some of them were really counterintuitive, but if Jesus said it, he was going to try it. And he put, started putting it into practice and in his, in his college life, his life totally changed around and the wildest thing happened. Things that seemed totally counterintuitive from his perspective about serving, about giving his self away, about trusting God, loving enemies, caring about sexual purity and the way he looked at women. Here's what he said. Every time I chose Jesus' way, I got more life. Life got better. The things that seemed to unravel before were made whole and healed and made sense. And like every time I chose to go Jesus' way and follow him, I got more life. And then he said this phrase, and I love this phrase. And I asked him, I said, can I use this? He said, yes. He said, Jesus, what I found Jesus is the best way to do life. And he is. He is. Guys, that's my testimony. I I shared that in the first service and several people came up. They said, that's my testimony too. Uh, we get so tempted to say, well, this doesn't make sense Jesus' way, so I'm going to try it this way. And, and, and yet, every time we give ourselves over to the way of Jesus, it turns out to be the way and the truth and the life. Jesus is where life is at. Peter and James and John believed it, standing beside their half-sunk boats full of fish. And so they counted the cost there and they left what they knew and followed Jesus because they'd been down here and they knew Jesus was up here and he was inviting them up with him. Today, I'd real simply, like to invite you into that decision. Choose today, not just to follow Jesus, but to follow Jesus in everything. 
And not just like these spiritual parts of your life. Like don't just let Jesus teach you how to pray or something. Do that. But also let Jesus teach you how to treat your kids and how to treat your wife and how to be sexually pure in a dating relationship before you're married and how to deal with, uh, you know, substances and how to break free of addictions and how to treat your enemies and how to forgive people who have wronged you. Let Jesus teach you about every area of life because he does it and knows better. He's the best. He is the way and the truth and the life. Would you pray with me? Jesus, uh, we thank you for giving up all of heaven and glory and power to come and be among us and to show us what it means to be human. Uh, We believe you know better because you created us. Uh, We believe that you showed us the model and led the way for being fully alive and human. And so God, today, I pray that everyone here in the quietness of our own hearts would be willing to pray this along with me, that God, we trust you in all things. We believe that your wisdom is far greater than ours in every area of life, and so we submit ourselves to you We ask that you'd help us to be obedient, that you'd find us faithful, and that God, as your spirit enables us to follow you and pulls us along into your way and your truth and your life, I pray that blessings would come, that you would confirm again and again that being close to you is the best place to experience life here on earth. We love you, God. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Everybody said. Amen.